Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you. Oh my goodness, I, I've got. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to admit, today I'm in a little turmoil. Uh, I've been I've been sitting in there in the living room. We've we've had kind of a nonchalant day. We actually went and met with Pastor and his wife for a while and had lunch with them and visited. Had a great time. And and in prepping for my message this afternoon just really struggling i'm like i'm going through all these notes i've got a folder full of messages i've got stuff still on my my note field on my phone i've i've got fresh oil that's been thrown at me i've I've all these things and i just can't seem to get my mind wrapped around any of those things and as i as i just kind of spent some time with the lord thinking god where do you want me to go with this and i and i Part of, I mean, you hear me say this a lot, the the fact that we live in such a chaotic time, the fact that, that, that our world is falling apart, where the corruption is everywhere, darkness is everywhere. And and I was thumbing through some stuff, and, and I have a book laying here, and I've actually done a message out of it. Um, it's by Mario Murillo. Uh, it's a new book that came out by Mario Murillo. Mario Murillo is a, an evangelist, a preacher. And, and this book that is out, that he just put out recently, is called Do Not Leave Quietly. And that caught my attention. I really thought, I want to read that book. Um, I haven't gotten very far in it. I've actually, I think I used the foreword in it as a message already. And in my, in my thoughts, as I contemplated messages and looking at all my notes and just not finding anything that the Lord was saying, yep, that's it for the day. I dug through scripture. I, I got on my 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 phone and my my Bible app on my phone, and man, I was looking at all these different things. But my mind keeps going back to our our current society shift, our current um, cultural shift, and and how messed up our world is, and the fact that we're not doing anything about it. I was just watching a little bit of the news this afternoon. Does the news make you angry? It makes me angry because it's all lopsided. It's all left-handed. It's all one-sided. And, and I, you know, I don't want to get political, but there's a, there's, <laughs> there's a reason that, that the Bible talks about being right versus being left. Uh, yeah, it's in there. In the process of my thoughts, I picked up Mario Murillo's book, do not leave quietly, and I and I have a I have a chapter earmarked in here. It's actually chapter one, but I had a a paperclip stuck on the page, um, and I note all my stuff with paperclips. So, I, and, and this is a red paperclip, which that has some significance as well. But this is what this chapter. This is what Mario Murillo uh, writes. He's his chapter one of his book is yes, I am angry. You better be angry too. So I, I thought, as I, as I looked at this chapter, I thought, you know what? I'm going to share this with you because I want to title this message, Are You Mad Yet? Have you had enough yet? Are you angry yet? And just like Mario Murillo says in this chapter, yeah, I'm angry, and you better be angry as well. Listen to what he says here. He said, yes, I am angry. I am angry and disgusted by preachers who are silent. They have no excuse. I might expound that a little bit to simply by those of us who call ourselves Christians who are silent. We have no excuse any longer. Their silence during this sweeping destruction of morals and freedoms makes them traitors. 
I rage against the leftist politicians for giving themselves over to evil, utterly, turning America into a cesspool of hate, racism, perversion, crime, and murder. As a preacher, people ask me all the time, when will I stop attacking that Democratic Party? The answer is simple. When they stop lying about Christianity, I will stop telling the truth about them. He says, I'm nauseated by millions of apathetic, biblically illiterate Christians who have embraced values that God hates. Had a recent conversation with someone where we were just exactly talking about these things. The fact that it, it seems as if many who call themselves Christians, label wearer Christians, embracing or at least not taking a stand against the things that God hates. And I'm even more ashamed of many spirit-filled believers because I told I hold them to a higher standard. Too many of them play tricks with the prophetic and with the sacred gifts of the spirit. They dabble in the power of God, never asking themselves why God gave them the power in the first place. Thus, they are violating both their duty and their mission. Even many revivalists are not innocent. Leaders whip up a frenzy, singing the same phrase over and over again. They sing about what they'll do to the devil someday, belting out lyrics about all the authority they have over evil. But somehow, they never get around to using it to save America. Am I right to be angry? Yes, I am. And you better be too. The right kind of anger is a very good thing. Mental health experts Todd Cashton and Robert Biswas Denier agree anger is best viewed as a tool that helps us read and respond to upsetting social situations. Research overwhelmingly indicates that feeling angry increases optimism, creativity, effective performance, and research suggests that expressing anger can lead to more successful negotiations in life or on the job. Even Paul the Apostle said, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27. The right kind of anger is crucial in this hour. Kishan and Denier went on to say, Altruism is often born from anger. When it comes to mobilizing other people and creating support for a cause, no emotion is stronger. It's a mistake to presume that kindness compassion, love, and fairness line up on one side of a continuum and anger, rage, and dislike on another side. Positivity alone is insufficient to the task of helping us navigate social interactions and relationships. A healthy society is not an anger-free society. This was, that was quote from Kashan and Denier. And I am telling you that anger-free church is not a healthy church. I would go even further if you can look at what they are doing to America, American children and not feel anger, then you're a deeply flawed human being. Bearded men in dresses reading stories to them. Loony parents making videos of four-year-olds who want to change their gender. Maybe that's still not enough to make you angry. Perhaps you still think I'm being too hard on the preachers of the church. Maybe this will help. A 14-year-old boy tells his school that he is a girl. He wins permission to use the girl's bathroom and then proceeds to enter the girl's bathroom, where there he rapes a young girl. The girl's father went to the school to report the rape. 
They insisted that they would take care of the investigation and told him not to go to the police. When they did nothing about the rape, he went to the school board meeting and he tried to confront them. They cut him off from speaking and they lied, saying there was no report of a rape. The father exploded in rage and the board had the father arrested. But yet there's more. After the father was arrested, leftists flooded social media with hate messages against the entire family and called him a right-wing bigot. The family actually had to go into hiding, yet there's still more. Because the rapist was a trans student, woke school officials quietly sent him to another school. They did not inform the new school that the boy was a rapist. Once there, he raped another young girl. This is the spirit that currently controls our educational system. Are you angry yet? I want to refer back to something Todd Cashton and Robert Biswas Denier said about anger. When it comes to mobilizing other people and creating support for a cause, no emotion is stronger. We have a very clear example of this in the Bible. In 1 Samuel 11, a gangster terrorist, Nahash the Ammonite, overwhelmed the vulnerable Jewish outpost of Jabesh Gilead, and the villagers had no choice but to surrender. Nahash was so vile that even after the people offered themselves to him as slaves, it was not enough. Remember the father whose daughter was raped? That wasn't enough for the left. They piled it on until the victims were the villains. How dare anyone oppose the woke agenda? Nahash said that he would let them live, but only if he could put out their right eyes. He said he wanted to shame Israel. He was spoiling for a fight. You need to see that the left is also bloodthirsty for a shot at Christianity. The village fathers made one last desperate request in verse 3. It says, The elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel. And then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. Here's what happened next. So the messenger came to uh, Gebeah of Saul and told the news of the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted their voices and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, What troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and he cut them into pieces. And he sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hand of messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. That's First Samuel 11, verse 4 through 7. Saul cutting up his prize oxen, back in this day is equivalent to a televangelist taking a chainsaw to his Bentley today. Here's what you must take from these verses. The anger came from the Holy Spirit, and Saul's act of sacrifice galvanized a nation. Verse 7 says, And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. Suddenly there were 330,000 soldiers who were ready to fight for Israel. Nahash and his hordes were annihilated, and Jabesh Gilead was saved. The American church needs to mobilize. Righteous indignation is the key. It starts right here and right now. A volcanic passion must burn within you, a fire within that burns away the trivial distractions and hesitations, a flame that vaporizes excuses and fear and gives way to a blazing clarity of purpose. Martin Luther said this, I never work better than when I am inspired by anger. When I am angry, I can write, pray, and preach well. 
For then my whole temperament is quickened, and my understanding is sharpened, and all the mundane vexations and temptations depart. I want I read that to you today simply because of this. I believe that we are in a place in this nation today, in America today, that if we, the follower of Christ, do not take a righteous stand, we're going to fall. It can't be a handful. It has to come from all. It's We're at a place in this nation where, where we've got to begin to stand up for what we believe in. We can't sit on the sidelines anymore. We can't sit and wait for someone else to do the job. It, it's not the job of the man in the pulpit. That that, that you know, you know well, that seems to be our, our our dead give out right there is oh well you know we, we hired a preacher that's his job. No, it's not. His job is to equip us. His job is to lift us up. His job is to teach us. His job is to show us the way. His job is to to inspire us to preach you know as he preaches the word to embolden us that we might pick up our swords and our shields and get to battle that that's what's a, that's what his job role is it's up to us we're the same level nobody's above anybody else we're all on this thing together god is calling us out today he he's calling out to those who will hear it's time to take our stand some of the, some of that needs to be on your knees you beginning to pray Begin to pray for God's people. Begin to pray for the remnant to rise up and take their rightful place. Just like just like Saul sent the message out, you know, you're going to have to stand with us. And in the process of that, as as the fear of the Lord came upon people, three hundred and thirty thousand stood, and they took back a nation. That that's where we need to be. We have the power. We have the manpower, but we need the Spirit's power. We can't do it in manpower. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. Are, are you mad yet? Look around you. Look at what's going on. I, I've heard stories in the past two weeks that turned my stomach. I, I have a I have an anxiety. I've talked about my anxiety before. And, and part of my anxiety comes from uh, I've raised my children. But now, now my children, Rhonda's children, they, they, have, they have kids. We've got grandbabies. And my stomach is nauseated at what these grandbabies face today. Our kids are adults now. They've made it to adulthood. But now I look at our grandbabies and I look at what's the, this, this vile mess that they're being thrust into in our public school systems and in our, in our local societies, some, some of them even into our churches, that simply are, are, have lost their moral compass. There, there's no standard of righteousness anymore. And it's our time to stand up and take this back. If you're a parent, you need to take a rightful stand as a parent to train up your children in the way they should go. Begin to speak the Word of God over them. Begin to speak the Word of God to them. Get them into programmings and church and youth and take them to church. Don't just send them. Get involved with your kids. Get involved with your grandkids. Get involved with your neighbor's kids. Begin to speak those things out over them. The Word of God. Is our is our is our weapon? It's our sword. If it's not sharp, it does us no good. Raise your shield of faith, but lift your sword. The truth of God, the truth of God's word, high. Use it as your weapon. It can't fail. But we must reach this place of righteous anger. I'm not telling you to get mad and go whoop somebody. I'm telling you to get a righteous indignation in you that rises up and you begin to seek the Holy Spirit for guidance, for discernment. For, for wisdom, for direction 
in how you approach this subject from here on out. I, again, I've heard stories that, that make me, my stomach turns from our school system, our local school system. If what I heard was truth, it sickens me that our children are having to deal with this, and they should not be. It's time for us, women and, and men of God, to take a stand. It, it's time to not leave quietly. It's time to be angry. It's time to, to, to get a righteous indignation on. I mean, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. That's kind of a little bit oddball, different today for me, but uh, just, man, it's just burning in me. It, it's something that will not, will not leave, and, and I, I believe it's right today. I believe this is a right message. We must begin to stand. I challenge you to, to get with your leadership, to get with your church leaders and tell them, I'm ready. I'm ready to take a stand against the, the immorality of this nation. Begin to pray over your services. Begin to pray over your leadership. Begin to pray over your pastors, your, your children's ministers, your youth ministers, your Sunday school teachers if you have them. And begin to speak out the Word of God over your families, over your children, over your neighbor's children, over this nation's children. You know, I posted on my Facebook story or somewhere the other day, I made a little meme about you know, praying for our nation's children as they go back to school this year. See you at the polls coming up next month, which is kind of a national day of prayer for our youth. It doesn't need to wait till September. We need to start now. Begin to begin to let your kids know. Start praying now over your schools. Start praying now over your fellow students. Start praying now over your teachers, your administrators. Let the Let the glory of God begin to lead us as we take back this country. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your prayer. Ron and I love you. We're praying for you. We pray that God blesses you beyond measure. Amen. Thank you so much. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.